0: What is fast fashion? What impact does fast fashion have on our economy and our environment? And where do American-made products fit in? We'll answer all of these questions and more on this edition of Getting Schooled. I'm Abby Hornacek. challenging you right now go take a look through your closet and how many of your staple favorite items do you know for a fact are sustainable if you look at the tags how many say american made was it produced here in the u.s or is it something that used cheaper overseas labor to cater to the growing need for the newest trend right away as fast as possible if it was the latter odds are you've participated in fast fashion over the last decade, fast fashion brands such as Zara, H&M, Uniqlo, just to name a few, have started to dominate the fashion industry and, quite honestly, a lot of our closets. With that has come the conversation about the swift turnaround of these products from the runway to stores and the longevity of these products once we take them off the hanger, wear them, and wash them. So what is the alternative? How do we move more production to the U.S.? How has fast fashion impacted our economy and our environment? Well, here to talk me through all of this is the founder and CEO of Remake, Aisha Baronblatt. Before starting her nonprofit, she ran the fashion vertical at BSR, giving advice to brands like Levi, Nike, and Gucci on how to integrate sustainability into their business. Aisha, thanks so much for taking the time. Thank you for having me here, Abby. And I'm excited to be in conversation with you. Uh, I don't want to be in competition, but I might be more excited because I checked out your company, Remake, and I think it's absolutely incredible. So I sh- what exactly is Remake?
1: So Remake is a community, a community of concerned and conscious citizens that want to make the fashion industry do more good. And we do this in three ways. The first is education. Just like we've been talking, right, Abby? Dropping truths, busting myths, that's what we do. So you can follow us on Instagram, Remake Our World, or on our website, remake.world, for you know just in, insight facts, um, interesting snippets, if you want to learn more about the fashion industry outside of education, um, we do a lot around transparency. People are confused out there, you know, what are the better brands? What are the American-made brands? How do I even find them? And so we publish a sustainable brands directory, a way for you to wear your values to discover better brands. And then finally, Remake is all about community building. You know, we have Remake ambassadors. If anyone is interested on our website, remake.world, you can come apply. It costs nothing, y'all. It's free. It's just, a way for us up and down the country to come together in community to swap and thrift and consign and to ask our policymakers to do their job and to advocate for an industry that creates good paying jobs and that is better for people and the
0: planet. So that is Remake in a nutshell. So let's start with fast fashion. This is just something that has become a trend in recent years and people might not necessarily recognize the term Aisha, but if they look in their closets, I'm I'm sure that they'd recognize a few pieces that are fast fashion. So what exactly is fast fashion?
1: Yeah, you know, the way our clothes have been coming to us has really been sooner, faster, cheaper, I'd say, especially since the 1960s. You know, before the 60s, people mostly made their clothes at home or it came from small workshops. Then, you know, we started to have more of this culture of embracing cheaply made clothes that follow trends. And one of the ways that, you know, we were able to get these clothes to us cheaply and quickly was essentially by outsourcing labor. So a lot of jobs, we lost them here in America. They headed out overseas, essentially to exploit labor over there. I'd say H&M and Zara are probably the the ones who created fast fashion. So if anyone has, you know, Zara or H&M in their closet, they were really the pioneers of getting us affordable, trendy clothes. And I'd say 90s, early 2000s is really when we saw this meteoric rise, right? Rather than mall brands, we were suddenly getting these clothes that were so cheap, so fast, so trendy. Um, And there is, I know we'll get into it, a lot of controversy around switching all of this production overseas, losing jobs right here at home, and the devastating impact that this has mm. on people and the planet.
0: Yeah, you, you talk about the labor. Um I want to get into that a little bit more. So why is fast fashion so cheap? You kind of answered it there, but I just want to expand on that a little bit more.
1: Okay. <laughs> Cost of clothes today, and you know, discount for inflation, and think about what our grandmother paid for it. We're actually paying for clothes a lot less. Um, then we should. And so the thing I love to say is, well, the price of exploitation is reflected in the clothes. You know, today, even though Zara and H&M were sort of the pioneers of saying in 15 days from a designer's mind, we're going to get clothes to our shelves, we now have what we call ultra fast fashion brands, right? Boohoo, Misguided, Sheen. And these clothes are, you know, some of them are priced at two, three, four dollars. And so there is just no way for them to come from the long routes, mostly in Asia here, without there being a downward depression on wages. And so whether Mm -hmm. it's warehouse workers right here at home or, or retail workers or workers overseas working in factories, what they have found is the cheaper our clothes become, the less and less their paycheck becomes in terms of being able to afford a decent life.
0: Right. Yeah. And that's something that's come to our awareness, too. And uh, more recently, as people become more um, aware of, of things that are happening overseas, and, and it's really great that we're shedding more light on that and kind of participating in this shift. Um, so you talk about the cheap labor. Does the actual fabric change at all? Is it is it worse quality?
1: Absolutely. You know, one thing that you said, Abby, what's interesting to know is, you know, if you want to see sweatshops, you don't have to go overseas. I can show you sweatshops right here at home. You know, there are poor working conditions in the Carolinas, in Texas, in uh, New York, in California. Those are some of the places where we still produce. Although, sadly, we lost a lot of that production, you know, when clothes became cheaper and faster. But the thing is, it's a lot of these brands practices, right? The commercial practices that result in these rock bottom wages. And so it's somewhat times this myth that the bad conditions only happen abroad. You know, there are just as many sweatshops and poor working conditions right here at home because the company's business practices are the same. You know, you've got these billionaires up top who are really able to capture most of this multi-trillion dollar industry's profits. And what you have is a race to the bottom when it comes to wages. And, you know, you asked another very important question, which is how else do we cut corners, right? Because there's no way for us to make clothes this cheap uh, without cutting corners, also in terms of the fabric. So you know, if any of you go into your closet and take a look, I would reckon you wouldn't find a lot of pure cotton. You know, back in the day when it was just cotton on our bodies, it probably felt better. Um, but it was also, it is also more sustainable in that um, we hadn't seen as much rise in polyester. Today, if you look at your closets, almost everything will either be polyester or polyester blend, which is essentially plastic. Um, and that's been one of the ways that the industry has been able to make things cheaper and faster is by mixing fabrics and the problem with polyester is you know you ever put a plastic bottle in a landfill it doesn't break down so if you've got polyester in your clothes it's essentially sitting in landfills for hundreds of years or it's bleaching into our soils into our oceans and so there's just a lot of planetary impact as well when it comes to fast fashion.
0: I'm so glad you brought that up because that was actually my next question. Um, You know, I host a show about national parks on Fox Nation and, um, you know, I see firsthand some things that are happening to our environment. And uh, when you talk about polyester blends and plastic, it's just not good for the environment. And I'm also curious when you talk, when you you think about like the factories and how these things are made, is there anything that's happening that um, not just from plastic, but just that's being released? into our air from fast fashion.
1: Yes, absolutely. So, you know, the one thing, you know, with plastic is that it sheds, right? So when you are washing your clothes, and you know, when you go into the dryer, and you're sort of cleaning out that lint, that is basically your clothes coming apart, right? So one of the things we do know is that when we are washing and drying our clothes, because there's so much plastic in them, that that washing on high heat is resulting in the release of microplastics that are then entering our oceans. What that means is fish eat it. You know, I think there's some something like one credit card worth of plastic that we as human beings now consume because it's in our salt, it's in our fish, and it's in everything. And fashion is a big contributor to that plastic. Um, You know, the other thing to know is just in the industrial production of fashion, you now have a lot of emissions. So think air pollution, right? The, if you've ever been, and I have spent a lot of time in dusty factories in Guangdong, China, or right in Texas, you know, after a while, if you're in a mill, you just feel uh, the, the chemicals hit your throat. Uh, you have a hard time swallowing. You can't, you know, breathe very well. And you think about all those nasty chemicals that are then on our body. Um, And this is an industry that is very deregulated as well. So, you know, the dyeing, the spinning, the weaving, all of that has an energy cost, has a water cost that's often hidden from our consciousness. And that's really something we at Remake strive to do, you know, to educate all of us as everyday people to have an understanding of, hey, are my clothes making me sick? You know, is there a human and planetary impact to these clothes being so cheap? And then secondly, well, once I know
0: these things, what can I do about it? Right. And and you definitely, um, you guys provide that alternative, which is really great. And, and so when we talk about the alternative to fast fashion, we think about sustainability. You, by the way, have an extremely impressive resume. Uh, something that struck me, though, about your resume was that before starting your company, you actually ran the fashion vertical at BSR. So you gave advice to brands like Levi Strauss and company and Nike, Gucci on the design and the integration of sustainability into their businesses. So what is the other option for someone who doesn't want to support fast fashion and how do we eventually move past that?
1: Yeah, I am so appreciative, you know, that uh, you asked that question, because I think too often it's like, oh, my gosh, here's another problem. What am I going to do about it? And I found a really make really for all of us to be a part of the solution, you know. And so I think there are many ways for us to address fast fashion. You know, first of all, it's when you think about buying something, if it's really cheap, think about: well, was someone hurt in the process of making this? You know, or warehouse ho- workers right here at home having to haul this stuff that we just click on Amazon and it arrives at our door. And do I really need it? You know, so much of our community—they take this no new clothes pledge over the summer. It's ninety days of just saying, "I'm going to buy nothing. I'm going to save some money. I'm going to see what I have already in my closet. I'm going to rewear it." And it's a way for us to save money. It's also a way for us to reduce our impact on people and the planet and to really have an understanding of when we buy something, it's not an impulse buy. It's not something we're going to wear a few times and throw it away. It's going, really going to be something we'll wear over and over again. So I'd say the number one way to be more sustainable, to be more conscious is to simply buy less you know, on our platform, Remix.world, we also serve as a watchdog of who are the better brands, who are the worst brands, so if you are wanting to buy something, you know, we have brands that score higher in our sustainable brand directory so you can really wear your values. That's our slogan by finding these better brands, you know, some of them right here, made at home, made ethically, uh, union made. Um, I'd say the other way that we can really think about this is as citizens, right? It's to get policymakers to do their job, to be passing smart regulation. The amount of waste that the fashion industry puts out in the world today is staggering. You know, there's 100 billion units of clothes that we produce every year. To put that in perspective, Abby, we make 100 billion units of clothes. There are only 8 billion people on the planet Mm-hmm. Most of those clothes end up in a landfill or thrown into the oceans. And so so much of this is about really getting our local governments and our state governments to, you know, tax fashion for putting the, the waste streams into our cities and states and to be holding them more accountable for these impacts, because otherwise us as taxpayers and citizens have to foot that bill.
0: Something that interests me, because, I mean, the the concept of sustainable fashion, that seems like something that everyone would want to partake in if they could. Um, But what are the challenges to sustainable fashion? Um, Because when you talk about, okay, these these clothes are being made when it comes to fast fashion, they're being made in cheaper ways. Maybe it's cheaper for the consumer. How do you balance that price difference? Yeah, you know, one of the things that I really did want to clarify, and I think this is a myth that fast fashion has really fed
1: to us, is that, you know, somehow it's a class issue, right? And it's this idea that, all of us are finding our wages shrinking. And so the only thing I can afford is fast fashion. And therefore, I, I I feel badly about my choices. But sustainable fashion is far more expensive. You know, I think it's important to know that it's not those of us who are seeing shrinking paychecks that are upholding the fast fashion overconsumption cycle. You know, it really is greedy billionaires that are exploiting workers right here at home and overseas. And so I think the thing to know is, look, buy whatever you can afford, take care of clothes, you know, loved clothes last. Um, The less you wash them, turns out you don't really have to wash jeans very much because it's a durable product. You can, you know, wear it a few different times before throwing it in the washer and dryer. There are ways to take care of your clothes and make them last longer if you can't afford, you know, the sustainable, ethical fashion. I'd say, you know, a sustainable pair of jeans, it's very expensive. and, And and partly it's because of the way that regulations are written today. The other w- way that I like to think about this question is, you know, thrifting and secondhand. I have bought my clothes used for as long as I can remember because there is so much fashion out there. I can't tell you the thrill I get, Abby, from entering the thrift, thrift store and finding something really cool, a unique piece, um, and knowing that I'm not feeding, you know, the fast fashion beast. So I'd say, you know, can you wear what you have? Can you take care of your clothes? Can you advocate with your favorite brands to do more good? Can you thrift? Can you buy used? Can you buy consigned? I think there's many ways for all of us to show up in this
0: conversation. This is great that you bring this up, because I think some people just think about sustainable fashion as the way that it's produced. But you also have other options, like you said, thrifting, where, you know, you think about Poshmark and resale and things like that. So just to wrap all of that up um, in the definition of sustainable fashion, what would you define? um, Like what constitutes sustainable fashion? Yeah, I would say sustainable fashion is the lifestyle
1: Right? It's a lifestyle in which we are taking better care of what we buy, how long we keep it, um, where it comes from, and we're just being mindful of those choices. You know, so rather than feeling like somehow we're going to buy our way into a more sustainable future, it's more about the lifestyle of, I'm going to just buy less stuff because it turns out buying all this stuff is making me unhappy. You know, cheap clothes also are built to fall apart. So I can't tell you how many of our community members because here at remake we have ambassadors you know up and down the country who are really a part of our movement say the minute i stopped giving into the trends and looking at tiktok and feeling like i needed to buy more 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 i'm happier you know buying all of this stuff that falls apart was not only costing my pocketbook it was also making me unhappy
0: i'm curious i'm just, I'm curious about this. In um, you talk about getting more regulations, right? You're talking about the government, things like that, and your mind immediately goes to our economy. I'm I'm wondering about what the impact of fast fashion has, uh, what impact it has on our economy. Because you also think about um, job creation, right? I walk into a Zara and there's like 25 people working in there. So if we were to crack down on fast fashion more what would that do for the job creation here in the united states
1: yeah, I'm really glad you asked that because you know one of the things that fast fashion has done is essentially caused a lot of jobs to be lost in the United States. You know, when the industry went on this quest to find clothes cheaper and faster, um, they went overseas. Uh, I tell you, Abby, if you open up your closet and take a look, the labels you're going to see is Myanmar, Cambodia, China. You know, you'd be hard pressed to find something that's made in America. Mm-hmm. What we have seen over the last couple of years is as a resurrection, you know, in Texas, in the Carolinas, and in California, which is one of the largest production hubs left in the United States. And one of the things that a lot of the industry right here at home tells us is it is possible to make things here. It is possible to make them sustainably and to create good jobs. And so uh, I think that regulating fast fashion is actually a way for domestic manufacturing to do better to have a more even playing field because it's really hard to compete against, you know, the Myanmar or Chinese prices. So um, that's one piece of this. I'd say the other thing to consider is, you know, not all jobs are the same. You know, having talked to retail workers up and down this country, as well as warehouse workers in Amazon and other places, it's to say fast fashion has made us unsafe in terms of how quickly we have to move product, um, how we are getting it, you know, onto shelves. And what we have found is that our wages are shrinking. And so when I think of regulation, it's not about losing jobs,
0: but it's about creating decent, better paying jobs right here at home. All right, we've got to step aside for a quick recess, but we'll be back right after this. My favorite thing is an American made product. You think about all of uh, the things that go into making something here in the United States. And ideally, it would be great to to have everything made here, especially thinking about the supply chain issues that are happening. Um, So I'm I'm wondering about how has the supply chain affected fast fashion?
1: Yeah, it's an excellent question because, you know, over the last two years, what we've seen is a lot of supply chain disruptions, right? You've got brands who've been unable to bring product into the country um, for a number of reasons. You know, one is that We know that uh, a lot of our cotton today comes from the Shenzhen region, which, you know, um, is essentially tied to modern day slavery. And so the U.S. government has said that anything that's coming from the Shenzhen region can't enter U.S. markets. And so you have a lot of fast fashion product that ends up being stuck at the border. You know, the other thing is just the disruptions with being able to uh, not get product in because people have COVID, and you have a lot of workers that are sick overseas, or you have, you know, an inability to get the product in. And so what you've seen is, you know, a lot more interest in nearshoring that it's going to be a lot easier to make product right here at home. But for that, again, we're going to need investment, investment in innovation, investment in research and development. You know, I visited some wonderful state-of-the-art facilities right in Texas, and in California. And the first thing that I hear from a lot of manufacturers is we need support in, in order to create these kinds of jobs. Um, but, you know, we have everything right here at home. We've got creative talent. We've got mm-hmm. cotton. We've got cut sew facilities. It's just a matter of us investing in this sector in order to create those good-paying jobs so that you, Abby, can get that made in America. Yes. With the values that you care about shirt a sweatshirt, a pair of pants right here at home. Right. So what does that support look like? So the support looks like a few different things. You know, one is investment in technology. You know, the industry today is very different from what it was some 50 years ago. And when I walk into some of the factories here at home, that's the first thing I hear is we just don't have that research and development, innovation, technology support. The second is really skill training you know we need more vocational schools technical design investment in creating highly skilled workforce right here at home the other really is in terms of you know subsidies and incentives for the industry to thrive here so i think it can look like a host of things whether it's investment in you know innovation and technology uh, to investment in workforce development um and frankly to make it more lucrative from an incentive standpoint for made in america
0: because today the playing field is not level why do you think that we haven't we've definitely made progress but why do you think more progress hasn't been made in terms of allocating those resources to American-made companies.
1: Because, you know, a lot of the uh, fashion brands are highly profitable by essentially uh, outsourcing all of the environmental and human rights risk overseas. They have been very reticent to have investments here because that's how you get the billionaires. You know, there's some 20 fashion brands today that control over 90% of the industry's profit, and they like the way the system works. You know, you can outsource all the risk you can get this really cheap labor. And so the system is set up to exploit the workforce in order to keep these billionaires in place. Uh, So I think partly it has to do with, you know, lack of interest from the larger industry. A lot of made in America brands will tell you exactly that. It's so hard to compete with the H&Ms and the Zara's of the world when they can get products so cheap. You know, I have to pay a minimum wage in certain states and how am I going to compete with those price points? I think the other thing really is around workforce development. You know, once we started moving things in the 50s and 60s overseas, we just haven't invested in the kind of workforce uh, right here at home. And some
0: of that is just, you know, failure of the government to do so. Mm. I'm going to put you on the spot for this last question. Um, <laughs> I apologize in advance. So if you if you were going to go, let's say you're going to go to Capitol Hill and you were going to just give a speech about why we should have um, more resources allocated toward sustainable fashion and why we should focus more on uh, American made items. What would your main points be?
1: My main points would be that as an American I truly believe that the fashion industry, this multi-trillion dollar industry, has the ability to create good, decent paying jobs right here at home. And so why wouldn't you as Congress invest here? You know, we need good paying jobs up and down the country. And here is an opportunity to do this. We as Americans have the creative talent. We have incredible designers who today find, you know, their designs ripped off by uh, fashion brands when you could be making beautiful product right here. Um, The second thing that I'd say is that, you know, uh, shopping habits are changing. We hear so much time and time again from Americans that, they would love to buy something right here at home if they knew that it was made well, that it would last long, that it would be durable product. You know, I'm sure there are Congress people who remember when the jeans lasted longer because they were made from raw, pure denim. Mm-hmm. And finally, I'd say, look, we are up against water shortages up and down this country. There is so much air pollution contending with the impacts of fashion that we as taxpayers today are paying for. And by regulating this industry, we're going to shift this burden on to the greedy billionaires who are benefiting while so many of us are finding our paychecks shrinking and our environment having to grapple with the way the industry is set up. So, you know, really appealing to if we are to sustain our beautiful soils and our air and our water, if we want to create decent paying jobs, if we want to respond to an increased interest in made in America, let's do it right. Um,
0: And let's really invest in in, uh, the industry right here at home. Absolutely. Aisha, you have been incredible. I really appreciate your time. For our listeners, go check out Remake.World. Aisha put together such an amazing uh, company. So Aisha, thanks again.
1: My pleasure. Thank you so much for taking this opportunity to chat with me.
0: If you missed anything from class these are my office hours and here are some top takeaways about fast fashion number one something that makes fast fashion possible is cheap labor if labor is outsourced overseas these companies can get away with lower wages then you look at the materials how many times have you seen 100 cotton on your clothing probably not very often because nowadays it's a lot cheaper to mass produce products mixed with polyester the problem is polyester is a form of plastic Which brings me to number two. Aisha pointed out that given the materials being used, it's a lot worse for our environment. Not only every time something like that is manufactured, but also when it's washed or disposed of, all that plastic is just sitting in landfills. So maybe try re-wearing jeans a few times, thrifting, or looking into the practices of the brands that you're buying. And number three. Aisha stressed the importance of American-made products. If we allocate more resources to producing products on our home soil, we can open the door to better wages, more ethical production, and overall better treatment of employees. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast on Fast Fashion. For more podcasts, you can go to foxnewspodcast.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this one on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen and leave us a review. This has been Getting Schooled with Abby Hornacek on the Fox News Podcast Network. Class dismissed.